0: The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Madden. The Recruiter's Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. Way back on February 20th, 2006, I launched the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. My very first guest was Jerry Crispin, perhaps the name you know. No doubt if you're in human resources, you know well the godfather of HR. Well, uh, back on February 20th, 2006, I interviewed Jerry Crispin about recruiting in the year 2016. So what did he have to say about recruiting in the year 2016, way back in 2006. Tune in to find out. I'm sure you'll, will be amazed at how, how accurate he really was. <laughs> all right, uh, listen in after this.
1: Launching an innovation in HR tech is no small feat. With all of the noise and countless vendors in the market, sometimes the most promising innovations don't get the chance they deserve to impact HR. And while early and growth stage founders are highly innovative, Most aren't experts at scaling revenue to drive growth and support their vision, which can mean the end of the road for many startups. That's where PureACV comes in. We've had the great fortune of working with some of the most innovative brands in HR tech for over three decades to build compelling messaging and solid, scalable teams that drive growth, giving these innovations a chance to impact how HR is done. To learn more, visit us at pureacv.com. Do you love four-letter words? Who doesn't? And then you mix recruiting news and insights in with those four-letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We We out.
0: And one more thing before we start the show. Do you know about Glossary Tech? Glossary Tech is a set of free online tools that help non-tech people understand complex technical terms. The toolkit is widely used by sourcing and recruiting communities worldwide, including recruiters from Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Microsoft. With no investment in marketing, its website, that offers a glossary of IT terms and a resume scanning tool, gets 7,000 unique visits every month, not to mention the Chrome plugin with over 13,000 installs, more or less. If you'd like to get your brand in front of recruiters, sourcers, and trainers from Europe and the USA, consider becoming a sponsor of glossary tech check them out online at glossarytech.com that's g-l-o-s-s-a-r-y-t-e-c-h just like it sounds glossarytech.com and now on with the show hi i'm jim stroud welcome to the recruiter's lounge the recruiter's lounge is a podcast of news interviews and commentary on the recruiting industry And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. In the Recruiter's Lounge today is Jerry Crispin of Career Crossroads. For the uninitiated, uh, Jerry Crispin writes, speaks, teaches, and consults internationally on the growing role of emerging technology in employment strategies and processes. His 30 years in the business of HR includes stints in career planning and placement, executive search, human resource management, and recruitment advertising. His client list includes many, if not all, (laughs) of the Fortune 500 companies, which has helped to make him a media darling. Jerry has been quoted in such publications as Fortune, Business Week, New York Times, U.S. News, and World Report, and just about any other magazine worth reading. Uh, He is here in the Recruiters' Lounge to discuss recruiting in the year 2016. Without further ado, I present the most and introduce to a few, Jerry Crispin.
2: Jim Stroud here with Recruiters Lounge and sitting here with a very uh, well-known HR celebrity. I'm a big fan of Jerry Crispin. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Jim. It's great being here. Not a problem. They're reading your blog uh, about your um, future ruminations of, of uh, the year 2016 and, and about recruiting and the things that are happening or, or rather will happen. In the future, I just want to sort of touch base if you want that. Um, where do you see recruiters in the year
1: 2016? Well, uh, you know, I mean, it's interesting. When we look out 10 years, it's really easy to, uh, to get into some serious science fiction. But um, I was just reading uh, an article that I wrote, one of the first articles I wrote uh, nearly 20 years ago, um, which... Um, I got published in some local, local publication. It got turned down by newspapers, and this is twenty years ago now. And it got turned down from newspapers because I was willing to suggest that there were other ways to find jobs than look in a newspaper. <laughs> so you got to kind of think in terms of those. But, but when we, when I wrote the article, i was just reading it today. Uh, there were four points that I made. One was that we have to break out of a a five-day, hour week box Mm -hmm. design jobs when we think about jobs, when we hire people for jobs. Second was that we have to make every employee a recruiter. The third was we have to use alternative advertising sources as well as sourcing sources. And uh, the last was to focus on our responsibilities internal to the organization, because the fact is, we got to rehire our employees on a continuing basis as part of recruiting. And so, I reflected on that in the sense of you know, 2016. How far, how far have we come in the last 20 years? Not a hell of a long way. And so, in the next 10, the technology, I think, uh, will help us leverage a whole new approach. And to answer your question, where recruiters will be, Mm -hmm. well, recruiters will be on their way out. Mm. Um, As recruiters, as we know them, the definition of the roles, responsibilities, all will have shifted and changed, Um, just as they have uh, 20 years ago. The role of a recruiter 20 years ago is very different than it is today. Pre-fax, pre-internet, pre-email? So yeah, yes. So I mean, even fifteen years ago, in terms of in terms of what a recruiter really did within a corporation, now very few corporations had sources. We didn't really have that term internal to organizations mm-hmm. because we really didn't take on the roles and responsibilities of actually energetically going out and finding people. We we had a, an entire group of people who were called what third party agencies. Now they didn't go anywhere. They're still out there, right? But on the other hand, we are gradually and increasingly growing the number of uh, hires in our own corporations that have been found, identified, and whose relationships have been managed by people inside corporations rather than people outside corporations.
2: Hmm.
1: So that is shifted, and as a result, uh, third-party recruiters. Uh, that whole operate the numbers of third-party recruiters out there, significantly different uh, than they were 10, 15 years ago. Um, and in fact, uh, many corporations are hiring third-party recruiters, whereas 10, 15 years ago they wouldn't have. So if we look out 10 years from now, how does that continue to change and what might what might alter? I think a couple things. One, First of all, I think you're going to see recruiters who have skills to help hiring managers redesign their jobs. I think that it's going to be legitimate to push back on hiring managers and say, wait a second, what do you mean you need a water walker who can do this, 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 and this? You know, why should we be, you know, automatically rethinking that from a one-on-one point of view and helping them with with their business plan, in terms of thinking out what it is really going to take to design or redesign a set of jobs that may not look at all like five days, forty hours. I mean, most of us have done it at various points in time. If you think about it, mm-hmm. we've we've recommended to hiring managers to do a number of things, ranging from um, uh, job sharing uh, to work to perm to temp kinds of arrangements or temp to perm kinds of arrangements, et cetera, et cetera. But now I think what we're going to see is a whole set of disciplines that are going to come back into the fore, a kind of industrial engineering of recruiting um, where we're going to see a significant skill skills and competencies in that design end that will allow us to rethink the job. And what it might mean is The person who is um, planned to leave, because maybe we're working not with an empty position, but with one that we have a boomer going out, Mm -hmm. right? And more likely, it will be a boomer who's going out in the next six months to a year and thinking about how we might extend that person's capability to bridge to the next person if we don't have somebody internal, how we might use that individual remotely to help mentor the new person coming on board, um, potentially bringing that person in as a contingent person who might eventually become a full-time. Um, do, you, do
2: you think they will raise the retirement age in light of that? Pardon? Do you think they will eventually raise the retirement age
1: as the labor um, shortage comes in? I those things from a societal point of view will continue. There's no question that that, that will probably happen. Um, and it will probably be mutual in the sense that most people don't want to retire if they still have 30 or 40 years that they're going to live. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, they still want to do stuff. They may want to do it differently. Right. Maybe they don't want to work 40 hours. Maybe they want to work 20 hours, you know, um, every other week. And, and how does that fit in with what your business is trying to accomplish? Well, if I can get three or four people to do that, I may have an even better job with more with more synergy. Mm-hmm. So my my point being, I think recruiters are going to have to have a more creative skill set with much more discipline around the issues of how you, how you help hiring managers design jobs. Now perhaps you may not be calling that a recruiter. Maybe that's another uh, partnership function within human resources that evolves. I don't know the answer to that. But But we're going to have to find alternatives than simply taking a wreck and running out there and trying to find a body. Yeah. Because that that, um, primitive notion of recruiting is transactional and is going to be disintermediated just like everything else. There are are, um, secretaries that still exist. We still understand what that word is and the definition of it. Mm. But... But anybody who was around 20, 25 years ago, there isn't a fraction of the secretaries that there were 20, 25 years ago. They're gone. Right. How,
2: how, they really are. How would you answer? How would you uh, counter argue uh, th- th- uh, this statement? Whereas in the future, there's no such thing as an employees per se but everyone is, is, is sort of an independent contractor or a smaller company working within a company. Uh, you have sites like Elance, uh, Guru, and, and eBay, for example, where people may get online and auction their services to the highest bidder for a certain amount of time for different projects and so forth. And with the labor shortage coming in by 2016, definitely we'll be here. Uh, seeing the, whole, the entire job market being pretty much in the job seekers' hands and companies at the mercy of... Different job seekers and talent that are out there.
1: I, I think that um, I think that's a legitimate uh, point of view. I do think that um, contingent work and the con- you know the whole the whole concept of a contract workforce um, has some limitations, only in the sense that it um, uh, that from an employer point of view there are some core capabilities. That you literally want to buy into the business. So I think that you're going to find that there will be a, a, a probably a stronger definition for a full-time employee that is going to connote much more of an owner, mm. at least in the sense of an attitude. Mm-hmm. If you think about the most the highest performing people within your organization who are empowered, part of it is that attitude that says, you know, this is my company. I have full responsibility for this company from whatever point of view I'm at. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are the kinds of people that we are going to want to lock into our organization and for whatever legal definition is required, that's going to be the full-time person. And then surrounding that core uh, will be contingent uh, workers, contingent labor that will range from hourly and part-time kinds of activities um, to people who are on the periphery, people who are coming into potentially that core group, people who might be leaving that core group and maintaining some kind of mentorship or peripheral uh, relationship that adds value. Um, and, uh, you know, part of the role, I think, of, re- of human resources is going to be to uh, to understand the structures of those and the understand the management of those, the incentives around those, et cetera, and obviously the acquisition of those and retention. Um, so recruiting will have a critical uh, role to play, but as you build those kinds of structures, where you have people who are there are more people who are more temporary you complicate the work design and the workflow processes um, and the management of them so that you're going to have to have an incredibly skilled human resource and recruiting function and one that operates not on the basis of uh, uh, reactive mode but one that is truly operating off of a business plan.
2: One thing I was thinking of at also in the future in that uh, there are so many companies and, of course, so many employees, and although the companies may change, the basic skills will apply to pretty much whatever company is out there. Um, in terms of recruitment strategy, do you see as the, the best push uh, on, on recruitment advertising is to really push um, their culture of the company uh, as opposed to... Career advancement since since there would be such a labor shortage in twenty sixteen and and really the only differentiator uh, would be I guess the culture of the companies or do you see that it's something different?
1: Well, I, uh, what I do see is is that we're going to have to examine what culture is in in light of what we're trying to accomplish as a business. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can't just have a wonderful culture. I mean, you can, but <laughs> if right. it doesn't. It, if it doesn't. Sync with the performance that's going to be required for that company to work. Uh, you got a problem mm-hmm. because then you're just going to have a wonderful culture until you go under. Right. And that's just not going to make it. But on the other hand, what what I'm hearing you say is that there are there are some elements we're going to have that are going to come to the fore, and I'll tell you one that's going to be critical, and that is training. Okay. The ability to learn. Within okay. an organization, not only is you going to be critical as a fundamental part of how we hire people, but that's the only reason I'm going to stay. Okay. You, you either keep me sharp and honed so that I can perform for you, or I'm leaving. Hmm. Interesting. And that that's already begun. Mm-hmm. We saw it. If you think about uh, three, four years ago, 2001, 2000, in the IT area, what was the number one thing that uh, some of the key IT people wanted, and that was a constant ability to stay on top of whatever the you know proper platform was or the proper proper uh, technology was. The last thing they wanted was to become obsolete because they knew what would happen when that happened. They get dumped. Right. So fundamentally, what a corporation is going to have to prove to me is that they have a culture of learning. And that they know how to balance that with the perform with, with the pressure of performance, because obviously if I'm if I'm doing things, if I'm creating things for you, um, and I'm doing that at 110 percent, I don't have time to stop to go out and you know pick up something or learn. But you're going to have to figure out some way to you know build that into the culture. So it's going to have to have a culture that has that kind of balance, um, and that's going to be very very. It sure. Well,
2: um, one, one last thought if sure. um, I could. I I've read also, and I've sort of been noticing this in a lot of a lot of articles, how that uh, there are a lot more women enrolled in college than there are men, and that that's sort of a trend that's going upward. And when I read that, it makes me wonder um, of future EEOC issues. Will I see more men complaining that they can't get a job because companies are only hiring women, but women are the only ones with a higher education based on this trend that's going on now, which is sort of ironic? <laughs> I mean, is that something you speculate could
1: possibly happen, or is that I just think those things level load themselves as long as there isn't something that is discriminatory in the in the system? So let's assume that there's nothing discriminatory in the system between from a gender point of view at the moment to get education, and for whatever reasons, men aren't taking advantage of them to the same degree that women are. Now, maybe there's something underlying there, but let's, let's assume that it's just, uh, you know, what seems to be current and what's, what people are attending to. When, when men decide that they, that they see that they're getting, you know, the short end of the stick when it comes to being able to get compete for the jobs, and it's clear that education is one of the fundamental tenets for that. Uh, they're going to go back. You, you're just going to see it level load hmm. against that. It's it, the problem is when the, the people recognize that that is the route to success, and then are prevented to go for going to that. So if I can't get into school, can't pay for school. Can't you know? Um, uh, can't get accepted because of my demographic as opposed to my performance? Then you got an issue, Interesting. obviously. Interesting. Interesting. And I think you're gonna you see that more in other countries today than you do uh, in the U.S. We tend to to at least be be uh, reasonably open that if you can if you're looking for an education, you're going to be able to get it. Interesting. Well, um, the man, the myth,
2: the legend, that is Jerry Crispin. I appreciate you hanging out here in the lounge with me. <laughs> well, I want to see you leaving with a smile on your face. Let me, let me leave you with uh, one of my
1: favorite quote. Please do. Um, the search for better, more qualified candidates, from the presidents of our largest public firms down to our frontline service workers, was never more critical than it is now. I think that's a very true statement, and the author went on to say, and more than ever before, is the demand for quality hires in excess of supply. What we're all looking for, however, is the ready-made, fully qualified candidate, the person whom someone else has trained. And it is only, he said, when we fully realize our responsibility as well as our opportunity lies in systematically cooperating to train and make this new hire capable instead of hunting for a candidate whom someone else has trained, that we will be on the road to solving this national, even global, challenge. I think that in 2016, the success that we need to have in making strides to accomplish this will be huge for us as a society in competing on a global scale. If we are not willing to make the kinds of commitments now to train people at all levels from grade school on up, um, then we're not going to have, we're not only going to have a talent shortage, we'll have a paucity of jobs because all of that talent and all those jobs will be elsewhere. So as a society, we've got to deal with that. And and by the way, the quote was Frederick Winslow Taylor on Principles of Scientific Management, 1911. Well, true wisdom is timeless, I suppose.
2: Well, thanks again for stopping through to uh, the Recruiter's Lounge, and we thank you for your time. Cool.
0: Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or (laughs) just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiters Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye.
1: That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure.
0: Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars.
1: The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come through. The post-Cold War era is over.
0: Dotcom The Hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dotcom, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.